an irreverent, humble, and unpretentious poet. Well, of course, we are talking about our featured poet today, and um, who is the amazing Wislawa Simborska, and I call her a perfectly wonderful, prolific Polish Pulitzer Prize winning poet. <laughs> nice alliteration. And uh, I want to bring her poetry today as someone who is a kind of poster child, I think, for the most wonderful kind of uh, uh, irreverency, the most uh, powerful kind of humility, and an unpretentious way that she did her art, her skillful, amazing art, and uh, I think uh, the way that she conducted her life. I think, by the way, that these three skills being um, um, wisely irreverent, let me put it that way, and humble and unpretentious, I think these are three superpowers that we need more than ever, more than ever, for the challenges that we are facing politically, socially, and of course, ecologically. So um, this, uh, this poet, again, if you've not heard her work before, uh, I think you're in for a real treat. She was born uh, in 1923. And again, she was born in Poland in a small town in the west of Poland. Her family moved to Krakow in 1931, where she lived most of her life. Uh, it's said of Wislawa that the rejection of dogma constituted the basis of her personal ethics. In her Nobel Prize lecture, Simborska confessed that she especially valued the little statement, I don't know, I don't know. And I may, I've got the quote and I may read the full quote in just a moment, but uh, we wanna definitely get into her work and poetry. Uh, so she said, this was her mantra. I don't know was her mantra and interrogation was her method. In other words, she took an inventory of what she examined to explore all its nooks and crannies, all the maps we might use to navigate the different territories um, of ideas and things that she uh, was focused on and interested in uh, to see what they could yield. Now, I'm going to do three of her poems today. Under One Small Star, we'll start with A Note which is the second poem, and we'll finish with I'm Working on the World. All three, uh, in my humble opinion, are um, just amazing uh, poems. So let's start with the first one. Under One Small Star was Lawa Samborska. Okay, goes like this. My apologies to chance, my apologies to chance for calling it Necessity, my apologies to necessity if I'm mistaken after all. Please don't be angry, happiness, that I take you as my due. May my dead be patient with the way my memories fade. My apologies to time for all the world I overlook each second. My apologies to past loves for thinking that the latest is the first. Forgive me distant wars for bringing flowers 
home. Forgive me open wounds for pricking my finger. I apologize for my record of minuets to those who cry from the depths. I apologize to those who wait in railway stations for being asleep at 5 a.m. Pardon me, pardon me, hounded hope for laughing from time to time. Pardon me, hounded hope for laughing from time to time. Pardon me, deserts, that I don't rush to your, I don't rush to you bearing a spoonful of water. And you, falcon, and you, falcon, unchanging year after year, always in the same cage, your gaze always fixed on the same point in space. Forgive me, even if it turns out you were stuffed. My apologies to the felled tree for the table's four legs. My apologies to great questions for small answers. Truth, please don't pay me much attention. Dignity, please be magnanimous. Bear with me, O oh mystery of existence, as I pluck the occasional thread from your train. Soul, soul, don't take offense that I've only got you now and then. My apologies to everything that I can't be everywhere at once. My apologies to everyone that I can't be each woman and each man. I know I won't be justified as long as I live, since I myself stand in my own way. Don't bear me ill will speech that I borrow weighty words, then labor heavily so that they may seem light. To me, there's so much kind of um, playful but serious, playful and serious, coyote kind of zen-like wisdom in there where she's poking fun at herself, where she's using uh, paradox and uh, exaggeration and she's using imagery that just is very, um, that just evokes so much. Uh, as she ends this uh, with these kind of walk 10,000 miles in these last two lines, don't bear me ill will speech that I borrow weighty words, then labor heavily so that they may seem light. So this is the work of the poet. And um, what is uh, uh, what you see um, in this first poem under one small star is to me the idea that I don't know that I don't know just comes full out in this poem. And uh, it just, uh, uh, you know, just kind of this wonderfully, again, kind of coyote uh, spirit, but they're speaking about some things which are both uh, humorous on one level, humor down to the earth, down to earth, but also very, very serious and who among us has not thought about 
when we think about distant wars and we think about the pleasure that we are we ourselves have in our lives or when we see the difficulty that's going on in other lives and other parts of the world uh, who has not asked themselves these questions and yet there is a way in which um, our joy must include and poetry is so good at this including the grieving and the difficulty and the joy and the utter um, um, astonishment of life all together because it comes at us all together. Okay, let's, um, let's do uh, this middle poem. It's called A Note by same poet. Our featured poet was Lawa Simborska. And this one, this is a, a, a short poem. And again, uh, just get the kind of the uh, this coyote spirit, this Zen-like spirit, this um, way in which she uses humor uh, in very serious ways. <laughs> A note: Life is the only way we get covered in leaves. Catch your breath on the sand, rise on wings, to be a dog or stroke its warm fur, to tell pain from everything it's not, to squeeze inside events, dawdle in views, to seek the least of all possible mistakes. <laughs> oh, if we step outside the poem for just a minute, to squeeze inside events, to dawdle in views, to dawdle in seeing things from different places. What, what kind of a world would we have if our political culture allowed people to answer the question, here's what I don't know. Here's what I don't know. If you, if you take that on as a kind of um, uh, challenge for yourself, say what it is that you don't know, because if we can articulate that, and the curiosity with that, then what we do know, or the things that we know a little bit more about, will become even more clear, I think. What a world we would have if in our, um, again, in our culture, it was more appropriate, more accepted, more celebrated to say, like the poet that we're featuring this episode, I don't know. I don't know. So back to the poem. I love this. To seek the least of all possible mistakes. <laughs> How about that? Uh, you know, you wake up in the morning and you say, today I'm going to win by seeking the least of all possible mistakes. Ah, and say it with triumph. To squeeze inside events, dawdle in views, to seek the least of all possible mistakes. An extraordinary chance, the poem goes on, an extraordinary chance to remember for a moment, for a moment, a conversation held with the lamp switched off. Imagery. And if only once to stumble on a stone, end up drenched in one downpour or another. Mislay your keys in the grass and to follow a spark on the wind with your eyes and to keep on not knowing something important. 
you know, in our culture, we are obsessed with knowing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's nothing wrong, actually, with being relatively certain about a number of things. I think that's a, a well-lived well -lived life brings us to a kind of certainty. However, it's a kind of certainty that always has mystery up underneath it. And so when I read these last stanzas, these last few lines of this poem, I look at that in a different way because I know that the poet and the protagonist that's coming through this poem, through the poet, is someone who um, their mantra is, I don't know. I am curious. I am willing to look at this more closely. She says in the last lines, if, if only and if only once to stumble on a stone, end up drenched in one downpour or another, mislay your keys in the grass, and to follow a spark on the wind with your eyes, and to keep on not knowing something important. Maybe the most important things in our lives we will continue to not know and we will relish in that not knowing because it is mysterious and because we continually engage in the business of being astonished by life. Last poem that we're going to do uh, with our featured poet is called I'm Working on the World. I'm working on the world, and that's the first line. So let's, let's move into it. I'm working on the world. I'm working on the world. Revised, improved edition. Featuring fun for fools, blues for brooders, combs for bald pâtés, tricks for old dogs. Here's one chapter, the speech of animals and plants. Each species comes, of course, with its own dictionary, even a simple hi there when traded with a fish. Make both the fish and you feel quite extraordinary. The long-suspected meanings of rustlings, chirps, and growls, soliloquies of forests, the epic hoots of owls, those crafty hedgehogs drafting aphorisms after dark while we blindly believe they are sleeping in the park. Time, chapter two, retains its sacred right to meddle in each earthly affair. Still, time's unbounded power that makes a mountain crumble, moves seas, rotates a star, won't be enough to tear, to tear lovers apart, to tear lovers apart. They are too naked, too embraced, too much like timid sparrows. Old age is, in my book, the price that felons pay. So don't whine that it's steep. You'll stay young if you're good. Suffering, chapter three doesn't insult the body, 
death. It comes in your sleep exactly as it should. When it comes, when it comes, you'll be dreaming that you don't need to breathe. That breathless silence is the music of the dark, and it's part of the rhythm to vanish like a spark. Only a death like that, only a death like that, a rose could prick you harder, I suppose. You'd feel more terror at the sound of petals falling to the ground. Only a world like that to die just that much. And to live just so. And all the rest is a box fugue played for the time being on a saw. Only a death like that, a rose could prick you harder. I suppose you'd feel more terror at the sound of petals falling to the ground. Only a world like that, only a world like that to die just that much and to live just so. And all the rest is a box fugue played for the time being on a saw. Um, these poems, by the way, have were translated from the Polish by um, Berenczak and Kavanaugh, the two um, folks that interpreted and translated these poems um, into English. I think this poem, I'm Working on the World, is just a mm, stunning piece of art that uses imagery and some serious moments in this um, in this story, in this amazing poem, uh, combined with uh, some humor and lightness that has the pathos, I think, come even deeper as it comes under the strategic, the radar screen of the strategic mind, as I've said many times before on this podcast, and directly to the heart. Um, and you know, like when she's talking about, or the protagonist is talking about this dictionary, she said, even a simple hi there when traded with a fish, make both the fish and you feel quite extraordinary. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The soliloquies silu of forest, excuse me, and the epic hoots of howls. Um, there's just so much here, so much here. And um, suffering doesn't insult the body. Death, it comes in your sleep exactly as it should. When it comes, you'll be dreaming, dreaming that you don't need to breathe. That breathless silence is the music of the dark, and it's part of the rhythm to vanish like a spark. How deft, how skillful, how wise to be able to use this kind of imagery mixed with some humor and lightness, mixed with some, you know, what I always call the kind of coyote energy, you know, um, uh, you know, kind of the, um, yeah, yeah, 
kind of the jokester uh, kind of energy. Some of the things which are just strike us as being funny and um, and wonderful and wonderful uh, all together with pathos and humor and fun all together in one poem. Okay, I know we're going kind of long, but um, I wanted to do this one because we've been doing some short ones. Let me let me uh, end. I mentioned the quote uh, that was from her Pulitzer Prize um, speech that she did, actually. And it goes like this. She says, inspiration is not the exclusive privilege of poets or artists generally. There is, has been, and will always be a certain group of people whom inspiration visits. It's made up of all those who've consciously chosen their calling and do their job with love and imagination. It may include doctors, teachers, gardeners, and I could list a hundred more professions. Their work becomes one continuous adventure as long as they manage to keep discovering new challenges in it. Difficulties and setbacks never quell their curiosity. A swarm of new questions emerges from every problem they solve. Whatever, whatever inspiration is, whatever inspiration is, it's born from a continuous I don't know. I think in particular... Um, we are going to need to have a lot more um, uh, irreverency, as uh, as the title suggests, irreverency in a wise, being wisely irreverent, because we have got to have a new story, politically, socially, ecologically, for sure. We have to have a new story, and we have to be um, not recklessly so, but wisely irreverent, which I think the poet is. We certainly have to be humble. This is something that we, uh, particularly in the West, I think, in the Western world, we must be humble going forward to see how our stories must evolve, how our political stories, our social stories, and certainly our stories about Mother Earth, our ecological stories, they we're going to have to be more humble, exercise more humility, and finally, unpretentious. We've got to be done with the value signaling. We've got to be done with the idea that we're going to put on airs and we're going to act like we know things we don't. Sometimes when people talk about knowing that everything is doomed or knowing that everything will be fine, business as usual, those two ends of the spectrum, those two extremes, no one knows what's true. We know that we're in deep trouble. We know that we're in deep trouble. I think in, in, in politically, socially, and particularly ecologically, we're in deep trouble. And yet we do not know. And yet we do not know. And to come to the world with a wise and irreverent attitude, with a humble attitude, and with an unpretentious way in the world, these, I think, are incredibly um, important uh, 
skills and traits. And I think Wislawa Samborska, our poet this time, um, is a poster child for those in the wisest way. Now, in closing, writing in the New York Review of Books, um, a um, one of her translators, um, Baron Zach, said, wit, wisdom, and warmth are equally important ingredients in the mixture of qualities that makes her, the poet Wislawa, that makes her so unusual and every poem of hers so unforgettable. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed. And again, if you didn't know about her poetry, I would love, let me know in the, in the comments or email me, put it in the comments. I would love to know um, how her work uh, landed in you as you heard it. I'd love to know uh, about that. And of course, if you liked, if you learned something, if you felt a little bit of inspiration, pass this along to someone else, uh, like the video, you know, um, uh, and if you haven't, uh, um, you know, done the uh, uh, click for being uh, notified when, uh, when new podcasts come out, do that too. Okay. Great. Thank you so much for your listening ear. Until next time and next poems, please, please take good care of yourself. And as I always say, take care of someone else too, if you can.